reaching across the country for the biggest sports news this weekend. From Atlanta to Seattle, from Boston to L.A., this is Big Sports Radio. Saying a big sports hello, Larry Smith along with Mike Kegley, Brad Sturdy. Glad to have you along with us for a little spin around a few campuses. Just a few things in store. We'll have a pair of insiders breaking down games involving Big Ten Divisional Leaders. An expanded NCAA tournament is getting some biz, and we'll talk about that. And when is the coach of a highly rated, undefeated team unhappy? We've got the goods on that as well. But four teams ranked in the Big Ten again this week. Guys, all four in action on Saturday. Let's start in State College, PA. 13th-ranked Penn State looking to prove last week's debacle at fourth-ranked Michigan uh, was a fluke. Yeah, it doesn't get easier. Right. I mean, Ohio State State has just uh, been dominant. And so it's going to be tough, I think, for the Nittany Lions to uh, if you're losing by 24 to Michigan, who I I think Michigan's good, but I think Ohio State's better. So that's going to be going to be a rough one for Penn State. But they are at home. Maybe they'll have the white out there. We hundred thousand crazy Nittany Lion people running around and maybe Ohio State get lost going to the stadium. I will say it's hard to get to Penn State. Like, have you ever been there? You, it's almost one of those places where you can't get there from here. So there is a chance. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'm trying to think, and, and uh, you know, we'd have to go do a research. I, when was the last time a team was ranked number 13 in the country and was a double-digit underdog playing at home? Yeah. F- 15 and a half points at home. Yeah, I mean, that is just amazing. <laughs> it, it's, it's a tribute to how good Ohio State has played um this this year but my goodness you know you're the 13th ranked team in the the nation you're playing a home game you know I can see maybe being a you know six point dog or something but goodness gracious yeah Ohio State that just shows you just like you said just uh they are a machine uh, yeah now and uh that by the way that's a noon eastern kickoff and that is uh, on Fox to begin uh the day's coverage meanwhile uh, speaking of uh, the Michigan Wolverines uh, routing the big second-half blowout of the Nittany Lions last week in Ann Arbor, for them it's the annual state championship, the battle for the Paul Bunyan Trophy, Michigan State traveling to Ann Arbor to face Michigan. Always a big game. I mean, you, this is it in Michigan. This is the, the the Spartans and the Wolverines do not like each other, so this, this always makes it fun, um, and it also provides upsets. You know, when you have these rivalry games, sometimes it – what do they always say? You can throw the records out the window. Well, you can't throw the talent out the window, though. And Michigan has more talent than Michigan State. So uh, it's going to take a special effort for uh, the Spartans. They have been reeling. They are not. They haven't been very good. I mean, just frankly, they haven't been very good this year. And Michigan has. So I think this is uh, this one could get ugly. Well, and especially when you look at, at what Michigan's coming off of, you know, they, they, they're, they're actually ramping up their performances. And so going, you know, into this game, um, you've got to think Michigan State is is really looking to they, they've got to play well at the beginning of the game, because if they get down, um, Michigan's going to pummel them. I think Michigan and Ohio State like to send messages to one another by destroying other teams and saying, look what I'm doing. And um, that's not really playing well for the other teams. <laughs> You think? <laughs> <laughs> Not so far. <laughs> well, 
Well, you know, you you look at Michigan State and the Spartans, and and it's hard to believe this is a team that began the year, I think, ranked 14th in the country uh, preseason, which shows you that preseason rankings really uh, don't mean anything. Um, started off like gangbusters. Uh, they beat two MAC teams to start, one and four since then. Started by the uh, blowout loss out there at Washington, um, you know, back in mid-September. So, uh, so that's that game again. The Paul Bunyan Trophy is up for grabs, and the Wolverines uh, they're a huge favorite in that one. Uh, meanwhile, so that's uh, the play in the East. Meanwhile, in the West, number seventeen Illinois, three and one in conference play. Now, only two division foes are just one behind them in the loss column. Saturday's opponent. Nebraska is one, and then Illinois gets Purdue at home in a couple of weeks. So an Illinois win, uh, you know, if, if they can kind of you know run the table here before they play Michigan uh, right the week before Thanksgiving, um, they could clear the way for that. And and on the tiebreaker against everyone, they're undefeated within the division um, and really uh, got to set, set themselves on a path uh, to go to Indianapolis in December. Yeah, I think if Illinois wins this one and then they beat Purdue, I think they're, you know, they're right. And if they win, you know, Michigan State, Purdue, I think that clinches it because they'll have the tiebreaker or those teams. They'll all have at least three losses. So Illinois is in a good spot right now. But who'd have thunk like Nebraska, literally, you know, you think about Nebraska, they they, they win this game. If Nebraska wins this game, uh, they're probably going to lose at Michigan and, or whatever later. But, you know, you look at they win a couple more games. How about Nebraska being the Big Ten West representative against? I mean, would that be wild? No, I I don't see it happening. But, you know, Nebraska does have a pulse now. I mean, they do look like a team that kind of is figuring it out. Um, you know, they're 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 better than they were at the beginning. And at least they're competitive right now. Um, now, I, the Illinois, Illinois defense is just fantastic. They have a running game and Nebraska doesn't defend the run very well. So. This one, you know, Nebraska is going to be able to score, I think, because they have a good offense, even against an Illinois defense. But I think Illinois is going to control the ball and they're going to end up grinding out a win um, against the, the Huskers. Yeah, the, on paper, this this should be an Illini victory. You know, uh, a, a weaker Nebraska offensive line, a stellar uh, defensive line for the Illini um, and the inability to stop the run for the, the Cornhuskers and, and, of course, Chase Brown, uh, Heisman Trophy candidate. But that's why they play the games. And, you know, Illinois is going to have to play in front of Nebraska's 2,563rd uh, sellout in a row. And there'll be 80,000 people there. And uh, if I'm Illinois, I want to come out really, really effective in the first half and and get that crowd out of this game right away. And, and then, you know you know, kick a mud hole in them. Then you read that numbers. If you're keeping score at home, you got like pebbles in a jar or something. Yeah, I have no idea. I, I got, I got this pebbles in a jar and I was just doing a count. I, I have no idea what it is, but Nebraska owns the, uh, the record and it's way out ahead of everybody else. Chicken scratch in the kitchen wall. His wife's. <laughs> oh, oh my. All right. Well, much more in all of these games and we'll run through the top 25 matchups as well. Uh, up next, Andy Baskin hosts a uh, Buckeyes post game show in Cleveland. We'll bring him on the show and ask him, is there any team that concerns Ryan Day's OSU squad? That's next on Big Sports Radio. Join BigSportsRadio.com and get a chance to win cash each week. BigSportsRadio.com keeps you in the know with the latest news of your favorite Big Ten teams and gives you five chances each week to win a $100 cash prize. Sign up today for free at BigSportsRadio.com. 
right back here on Big Sports Radio. One of the big games we're talking about this week, of course, in-state college, number two, Ohio State. Uh, we think really should be number one. It's almost a shame that they haven't been uh, ranked number one yet this year versus Penn State, uh, the 13th ranked Indy Lions. And really, again, probably the best chance uh, it would seem for a Big Ten team uh, to get a win over the Buckeyes. Let's talk more about this uh, game. Andy Baskin joining us. He's the midday host, 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. Also the uh, Buckeyes uh, post-game show host on Spectrum there. Uh, up in one of our favorite cities, Cleveland. Andy, uh, thanks for joining us here on Big Sports Radio. It's great to be with you guys. Looks like you're having a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to being a part of it. Yeah, we uh, we there's never a shortage of fun here. And uh, if you're at Mike's uh, and in his seat, never short of, of pizza either, as you can see. But <laughs> hey, let's, let's brass tacks here. Uh, Buckeyes and Nittany Lions. Uh, we were talking here in the break. Um, you know, I say this, I think maybe the, the best chance because Ohio State gets Michigan at home and, and they've done very, very well, no matter who the coach is against the Wolverines uh, at Ohio Stadium. Um, so I, even though Penn State certainly has shown, uh, you know, got exposed at Michigan, um, still a well-coached team, a good team, and um, it would seem um, that this is their best chance. But, boy, Ohio State is just literally a machine right now. I mean, I, I don't know if I can recall the last time that a team was just this solid week in, week out. I mean, I mean, I, yeah, it is. It's amazing to watch this team. I mean, I've probably been covering the Buckeyes – as an adult since like mid nineties. And I've never seen a team quite like this. And they have had so many great teams in the last 40, 50 years. This team not only is authentic on offense, the defense under Jim Knowles this year has taken great strides. The only question that you have is, is this a byproduct of who they're playing or are they really this good? And I think the way they keep playing and the way they keep getting better, even Iowa, where they had kind of a slow start and it felt like they were still on the bye for the first two quarters of the game, man, they clicked in and all of a sudden you realized you knew why they were 30 point favorites when they hit that second half. Is there, if you look at this team, what, what do you see as maybe the question marks for this team as they go into a game at Penn State or later on when they take on Michigan? What are they going to look like in the close game like they did against Notre Dame earlier in the season? Like, I wonder if they played Notre Dame right now, I think it'd be completely different than what we saw in the beginning of the season. I think they were still trying to feeling things out that first game. I'm just wondering what Ohio State's going to look like against Michigan and then what they're going to look like in the playoffs because uh, uh, their biggest challenge is them right now and staying, making sure that they're motivated and staying forward. I mean, their wide receiving core and running backs are unbelievable. C.J. Stroud, just every, like even the doubts that I had about him last year, just being young and wondering if he could run or do this. Like every time I watch him, he gets better. And I think when you're watching him during the postgame show and you listen to the interviews you're doing, He's getting smarter every time. Not that he wasn't smart to start, but man, he has just become such a student of the game and understanding everything that he's doing and understanding even his smallest faults to make him a better football player every week. And when he talks, he doesn't talk about himself. He talks about the guys around him. And, and between him and Ryan Day, I, this is one of the best Ohio State teams I've ever seen. So the Michigan beat you know Ohio State 41-17 to in a game that wasn't really that close. No. Is Coach Day going to try to use this game to send a message to both Michigan and voters across the United States that Ohio State can do it better? Yeah, I think so. I think it's part of it. I, you know, we all know that style points count, and, and unfortunately, that's the way the game is right now. I, I don't know. I watch this team every week, and while we all know Michigan is in the back of their mind, I don't think he's going to let this team get ahead. They know they have Penn State this week. They know what they have, whether it's Maryland down the road or whatever. I think when Michigan gets there, that's when he's going to amp it up and, 
and ramp it up. I'm not around the team every day. I know when I was around the team in the in the Cooper era and the Trestle era and you know, a little bit around Urban Meyer, I, I knew what that was like. Ryan Day is just a different cat, man. I love him. And, you know, I spent a lot of time covering the Browns here as well. And, you know, Ryan understands the faults of his team, went out and got Jim Knowles. And, you know, Gene Smith gave him a directive. He said, why would you just want to hire a defensive coordinator that's going to have to worry about, you know, that you're going to have to worry about? I want you to hire a defensive head coach. That's what he did, and I think that's one of the biggest reasons Ohio State's defense like number two in the country right now. And you know, and that's the thing that's not talked about because they they are so gaudy on on the scoreboard in terms of the points they're amassing. You're it's not talked about that, and I, I mean, I again, I don't want to get ahead. I mean, it's 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 you know a month away, but I I think that it's almost like. He's going to go, you know, Ivan Drago on him. He's just going to <laughs> something in Russian, and all of a sudden they're going to score 60 on the Wolverines. You know? <laughs> oh, nothing, nothing would shock me at this point. And I just, I think Ohio State's so focused. And, I, you know, I've seen in years past where, okay, well, we're worried about Michigan. And I talk about it all the time now. I'm just like, okay, we're just waiting. We're waiting. We're waiting for Michigan. I truly just from listening to the guys and, and just watching the way they're playing and the way they, they carry themselves, I just, I know Michigan's at the end of the season. I see it. You see it. All the fans see it. I don't think Ryan Day is going to let these guys slip away uh, in any fashion until they get ready for Michigan the week of Michigan. I'm sure they're preparing for him now, but in some ways. But the focus is on Saturday, and it's not on anything bigger than that. And I think when they get to Michigan, it's going to be a gigantic explosion. Yeah, is there a – so we talked about Penn State this week, obviously, and then the Michigan game. Are there any other games that you see that could be somewhat challenging between now and then? I would like to sit here and give you a great media answer that says, yeah, take a look at some of these teams that are playing along the way. They are blowing everybody else out. Everybody else is just in the way. They're like your little brother. You're like, hey, that's cool. I'll see you when you grow up. But you're never going to have the chance to grow up if we keep recruiting the way we are now. Truthfully, I don't think there's anybody in their way. Penn State's going to be uh, an interesting game. I'm kind of bummed. I was kind of hoping that Drew Allard would be the starting quarterback for Penn State by now. He was an unbelievable prospect that, um, you know, they Ohio State jumped in and out with uh, while he was playing at Medina last year, which is really close to Cleveland, too. Drew Aller is the real deal, man. I can't wait till he gets the opportunity to lead Penn State someday. It's not going to be this Saturday uh, unless there's an injury, but I, I am really, really, really looking forward to seeing him play down the road. But I just don't think there's anybody in Ohio State's way until Michigan other than Penn State. I think Penn State, for some reason, the tradition of this, you know, they play him every year, played 30 years straight. The the point spreads. I, I was interested to see the spread was only like, uh, what, 14 and a half or something like that going into this. I've seen anywhere from 13 to, to 15 on this thing. And I think a lot of that is because they're playing in Happy Valley. Otherwise, if this game was in Columbus, it wouldn't even be close. I wouldn't even like be sweating anything about it. I want to see what Ohio State does this weekend. It's nice to see that they probably do have a challenge on their hand. I want to see how this plays out because we know how the Michigan game against Penn State played out where it was a tough first half and then boom, Michigan exploded with their running backs. And um, and I think that got the ire of Ohio State fans going, oh, okay, now we got something here. And I know we're upset about what happened last year, but maybe, maybe this is going to be a great battle between you know great running backs and, and what Ohio State has. Uh, to offer in that game against Michigan. I truly can't wait till Thanksgiving, I'll be honest with you. And about the only thing I guess we can kind of see that would be advantageous for Ohio State is if if Penn State could get out on them early a little bit and see how they respond because odds are we're not going to see that until it potentially happens in CFP. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that that's an interesting 
point for Ohio State that what happens if they get behind. But even, you know, Iowa was just a weird start. And this is where I think C.J. Stroud's better than he was last year because now he sees it, he recognizes it, and he's like he threw a pick six two weeks ago to start the second half, right? And I was dying to see what he would do because you just made a mistake. How are you going to rebound from that? It's like it never happened. He picked it, picked himself right back up, went right back out there, found Marvin Harrison Jr. probably for like 13 more touchdowns after that. And and, and the other thing that, I mean, Ohio State is doing this uh, and they're doing it without Jackson Smith and Jigba. That's another like amazing thing because I thought, you know, I, again, I cover the Browns a lot. I thought Jackson Smith and Jigba would be the number two receiver for the Browns going into this year as young as he is. And he's been hurt all season. And there was a little bit of a strain in the last game against Iowa. They got him in there. They said he was on a pitch count. I don't know that I'm buying that. He, you know, he walked off a little bit of hobble. I think they said, we're not taking any more chances. We want to see what he, he can do against Penn State. And we've got big games down the road. Let's not waste our time with Iowa. Yeah, I was at the Wisconsin game a few weeks ago, and Ohio State didn't have a negative play from scrimmage until the kneel down to go to the first half. It, it is crazy. <laughs> the, the crazier stat is they've been in the red zone 36 times this year. Yeah. They have scored all 36 yeah. times, yeah. 31 touchdowns. I, like, that's so gaudy. I don't even know. I, it's redefining the word gaudy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> hey, Andy, we will uh, let you go from there. But, man, we appreciate your time. And we hope you come back again and join us on the, here on Big Sports Radio. Hey, anytime you guys need me, happy to do it. Appreciate Perfect. It. Take care. Take care. Andy, back. See you guys. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, midday host again, 92.9 The Fan in Cleveland. Also, he's the Buckeye pregame or postgame show host, I should say, on Spectrum as well. And uh, obviously, uh, the guy knows the stuff. Great to have him on here uh, as a part of Big Sports Radio. As uh, like he said, he saw already that we have some fun uh, on this show. Hey, stay with us. Uh, another big game in the Big Ten, number 17, Illinois at Nebraska. Who saw that coming as a marquee game? But yeah, pinch yourself, and when you're done, we'll be back after this. Are you tired of your website making your business look bad? Is your current web developer dropping the ball? Let's face it, if your website isn't making you money, it's broken. Let Neon Rain create a website that turns your visitors into customers. Neon Rain has worked with hundreds of businesses across North America, building custom websites and applications with modern designs that are easy to update and work well on mobile devices. They can do it for you, too. What sets Neon Rain apart? They actually deliver on their promises. Call today for a free consultation, 303-957-3092. That's Neon Rain at 303-957-3092. Or visit them at neonrain.com. We all make more than 35,000 decisions a day. Most are small, but some can be life-changing. When it comes to taking care of yourself, the most important choices can be hard to make. Like having a tough conversation instead of ignoring a buddy's call. Or being there for support, not assuming things will just get better. Make the decision to be there for the veterans in your life, for your community, for yourself. Learn more at BeThereForVeterans.com. Hey, loser. Leave me alone. When a child shares hurtful comments online, that's bullying. Visit EraseBullying.ca to learn how to help your child stand up to cyberbullying. Now back to the studio and the guys from Big Sports Radio.
Illinois goes into the weekend ranked 17th in the nation. The Illini haven't been ranked this late in the season since 2007 when they upset number one Ohio State in Columbus on their way to a Rose Bowl appearance. So all the national attention, certainly new to everyone in this Illinois program, but head coach Brett Bielema says their approach each week remains the same. Uh, I think outside world always pays attention. Not to say as a head coach, you don't look at uh, things as they lay. Uh, we literally started Sunday's meeting just as we would any other game or any other week. Uh, just look at the world of college football around you. It's just, it's fun to be in that position. A year ago, I didn't really do in that, uh, but we started doing that this year, even before we really became someone that got talked about because I wanted them to understand what was coming. Brett, I talked to Barry about the relationship with him and Tommy. He said it was an arranged marriage that's worked out pretty well. Um, what, what, what did you see? Great way to phrase it. Yeah, like, I, I mean, that's obviously a different dynamic. Usually it's OC bringing a quarterback, but it was actually a different timing. How have you seen them? Why does the partnership work? For well, them? I think you guys know me well enough by now to know that probably there was a lot more thought in it than, than the outside world, right? Um, uh, at, at some point, I knew. Um, Transition was going to happen, and at that point, I also probably knew the direction that I was strongly leaning. Um, uh, there was a reason that we kind of recruited the way we did in December and put things in place. Uh, uh, I give a lot of credit to Tommy to being open to it, because really at the time, there were some people flirting with him that uh, could have been options that maybe looked a little sexier, a little better at that time, and he just stayed the course with us. I think his dad was a tremendous impact. Uh, his mom and dad both, I think he lies, relies on them quite a bit, and uh, when I went in there, I think they realized the sincerity and the honesty and the approach and, and what I thought we could deliver. Um, uh, you know, so there's just a lot of positives that I think uh, showed faith, uh, Tommy and us, before it was real, which I think is why now when things begin to happen, it's probably ingrained that even more. And to be quite honest, when there was a, a bump in the road, his faith, his trust, um, like all these comments that he keeps saying to you guys were, I know what we're doing, I know how it's working. Uh, he works with Barry on a daily basis and those other guys around him. So, uh, yeah, a lot of positives. What did you think it would work with Barry? Did I think it would right. work with Barry? I did. Yeah, Barry, as you guys have gotten to know, is a very sarcastic, um, uh, dry, uh, uh, a very unique personality. I think even our staff took a while to kind of get used to this guy that's pretty pretty guided in his approach. Um, uh, you know, I don't know how much we've mic'd him up, but he really is a very funny person and, and very, uh, he also. Um, you know, brings back a lot of things on him, which I think is an awesome thing to do. And his wife, Janelle, would be the first to point out that uh, she has a tremendous influence on, on him and, uh, and the things he does on a daily basis. So uh, I, I'm not surprised. I've been around Barry before. I've made this comment several times. I named him the pump team coordinator um, back in the day because I knew he had a coordinator voice and I wanted to see it and I wanted to, I wanted to help build it. Um, and then obviously what you see today is a byproduct of that. Yeah, you really, I mean, you just have to focus on the game in front of you. I mean, there's nothing, you know, that's the way you have to do it. I think, especially this, since it's new to these guys, I mean, Brett's been through it, but um, most of these guys haven't. So they have to stay focused. You, you, you mentioned they haven't been ranked this late in the season since when they upset number one, Ohio state. Well, they do have, there's a chance they could play Michigan and Ohio state undefeated top five teams down the road. So maybe they're, maybe they're in the college football playoffs someday. Who knows? crazy, but um, Bielema has done a great job of getting this team to this level. And I, I think that's one of the, you know, you look at the, when you have an offense coordinator comes in and you have a, tr this transfer portal, there's going to be a lot of arranged marriages, by the way, in college <laughs> football, um, because, you know, as coordinators change and players shift uh, places constantly. 
and of course, a lot of the world uses arranged marriages instead of love to set these things up. So maybe, maybe the transfer portal just has a logic to it that we're not used to. But um, I think Bielma's <laughs> interesting because when when Josh Whitman hired him, you know, he had the vision that we're going to compete. You know, that's what he said for Big Ten titles. And I think a lot of the media went, yeah, 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 right. Sure you are, you know, and I don't know that anybody outside of Brett Bielma and maybe Josh Whitman thought it would be in year two. Um, it just goes to show you what good coaching and and a good staff can do, particularly compared to what Illinois has put on the field in the past 30 years as a football coaching staff. This This staff can run circles around them. And Josh Whitman was the person who got the appropriate amount of funding so that you could hire really good coaches. And Brett Bielma then picked the right guys. Yeah, I believe that Illinois, uh, 11 and 8 um, under Bielema, under that 1 and 3 start last year. So, what a job he has done. I mean, I, I, it, I'd be stunned if he didn't, uh, wasn't at least a finalist for most Coach of the Year uh, awards, if he can continue this. We're certainly off to a great start and, and things Champion hasn't seen in a long time. Meanwhile, in Lincoln, just a crazy moment in Mickey Joseph's news conference after a bye week. Listen to this as he says first, the Huskers are going to do things the right way. And then, commits an NCAA violation recruiting-wise just seconds later. week like for you guys in recruiting and getting out there, and I mean a lot of offers. You just talk about sort of where that's going and, and your staff just continually hitting it uh, even in the situation. Well, like I said before, you know, when, when I first took this thing over, is that we're going to do things the right way. We're not, we're not going to sabotage the program. We're going to go out and work like we're going to be here. So we, we sent our coaches out and things in California and Massachusetts. You know, they, I was in Atlanta. I was in Arizona. Um, Fishers in Florida, Dallas. So we went out. We went out. We went out as a staff. We kept the coordinators in. You know, the offensive defense coordinators in. But we're going to recruit and you know find find um, the pieces that we need. You know, and so we we're going to go heavy JUCO when it comes to the offensive line. Vance in uh, in Arizona. I did. I did. I had a chance to see Vance and listen to him about his two pick six. So he did a good job. He did a good job Thursday night. I told him he did. How much have you relied on outside people like him? Um, I don't know if you've talked to Coach O, but obviously he's been in the situation as an interim coach multiple times. Um, What kind of value do those two in particular um, have they had in in these five or six weeks for you? Coach O, you know, just speaking with Coach O, he always tells me just be myself. You know, make sure they get Mickey. And and he knows there's nothing fake about me. I'm going to be Mickey. I'm not... You know, because at the end of the day, I can go back to Baton Rouge and that, that nice house in Baton Rouge and chill out. So I'm going to be Mickey. You know, I'm sorry. you got Malachi Coleman this weekend. Uh, I wasn't finished asking that question. Right. I, yeah, I didn't know. I'm sorry. I'm just joking with you, man. <laughs> you know, I was uptight. But, um, but no, you're right. We got Malachi, Have you, you know. Had a chance to talk to him? Yes. Well, he said it six months ago he wasn't coming here. So you put the pieces together. I'll leave it like this. I'm not going to make the decision if I get the job. I'm not going to make the decision. You know, that's going to be the administration that's going to make the decision if I get the job or not. So I got to just continue to get this team to get better every week and try to win football games. What, what conversations maybe have you had in the last couple of weeks with the trip, you know, on the bye week or anything like that? 
Just just a normal meeting, you know, normal meeting on Sunday, you know. That's it. Coach, feeling about coach teams, what comes to mind first? I mean, are there any defining elements that are consistent over time? Yeah, facing him, facing him when I was at LG, he was at Arkansas. He's a very physical team. He wants to run the football, but he's physical across the board, offense and defense. He does a really good job with the defense and offensive line. He always had really good players in the offensive and defensive line, so you can see that now in Illinois, that they are really good players on both sides of the ball in the trenches. It's really odd because everybody knows that rule. I mean, it's not like it's something new or anything that comes up. I mean, and maybe they just think because of all the NIL and the transfers, no one really cares anymore. So, but yeah, you, you're, you're not supposed to talk about unsigned recruits other than to say, yes, we are recruiting him. So uh, that's interesting to see what happens here. They'll, they'll Nebraska will self-report and they'll get a slap on the wrist and so forth and so on. But yeah, it's, it's pretty odd that a coach would do that because everybody knows it's, it shouldn't be a surprise. Yeah. There's really not much to say other than oopsie. And <laughs> you know, you've got to kind of get, My bad. I know you just kind of got to go with it. And um, you know, at, at some point I, it's on video, it's on audio. It happened. If he was a politician, he could just say it wasn't me. Well, oh, yeah, you could just deny it. You know, it doesn't matter because the people <laughs> no, on your the people on your side will act like <laughs> they never saw it. The people against you will be like, "Oh my God, this is never happened. video." Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're a politician or shagging. Uh, one of the, uh, exactly. Uh, Nebraska trying to slow down the Illini. Three thirty Eastern kickoff Saturday on ABC for these two. So happy for both programs. A tour around the top twenty-five, including a big challenge in Knox Vegas for the third-ranked Volunteers. This is Big Sports Radio. You're listening to the Big Sports Radio Network with Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy. Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, Brad Sturdy, right back at you here as we uh, look around the nation college football. Uh, Georgia and Florida, as always, take the week off before the world's largest cocktail party. Uh, Georgia, number one, few people talk about really because uh, they score so many points. My goodness, it's it's unbelievable. Uh, they're eighth in scoring offense at 41.7 points per game, but they're number two in scoring defense, giving up just uh, nine points uh, a game. It's, it's, it's nuts. Big story, though. One of the big storylines out of this one, really nothing to do with the game itself in terms of the X's and O's on the field. Georgia coach Kirby Smart coming out and speaking out against playing this annual game in Jacksonville, which they've done for almost 90 years. Um, they, he wants to go back to a, a home and home on this thing to kind of help with uh, recruiting. Cause you know, Georgia doesn't recruit well enough. Yeah. It must be rough to recruit at Georgia and have that top five recruiting class every single year. Yeah. Life's tough. Uh, you know, who else has it tough on recruiting Ohio state, Ohio state <laughs> has a rough time recruiting as well. And they're at Penn state and, uh, th- this weekend. And I haven't heard Ryan day say that he did wanted to, uh, move this game to a neutral site or anything. So he just wants to play. And um, he wants to play as much as he can, as often as he can, because his team is on a roll. They've, you know, they're going to rack up. It seems like every week it's 50 points. And then it's whether or not the other, they, they're nice. The other team let them score a couple. But Penn State has a solid defense and they're at home. It's going to be a, you know, it's a crazy atmosphere. So it, this is going to be a, the la- probably the last test for the Buckeyes before they face the Wolverines at the end of the season. Yeah, and I, I I think that's going to be a great game. Tennessee is uh, going up against Kentucky, so you got number three, Tennessee versus number nineteen, and I think this game is all about that Tennessee offense 
They've scored over 30 points every game. They've scored over 50 twice. Uh, they've scored over 60 twice. And with uh, Hendon Hooker, uh, 18 touchdown passes, one interception. I think there's a big problem waiting for the Kentucky Wildcats. Tennessee playing really, really well uh, right now. Number four, Michigan versus Michigan State. It's the annual state championship in Ann Arbor this year. Throw out their rankings, everything else. This is bragging rights for this. But on top of that, uh, both have a lot at stake. Michigan wants to remain undefeated and keep their push uh, for a possible return trip, first ever return trip to the college football playoff. The Spartans have really struggled right now. I mean, three and four and trying to find a way to kind of get back uh, into the swing of things. It'd be huge. They can knock off the Wolverines. But the Spartans going to Ann Arbor, uh, they're three touchdown underdogs right now. So a tall task ahead for Mel Tucker and the Spartans. Yeah, a team on a magical run is TCU, number seven TCU there at West Virginia. Um, how about their quarterback, Max Dugan? 19 touchdowns, one interception. So I one-upped you right there, Mike Cagley. So yep. that guy, is uh, he's having a great year. And they go to West Virginia, though. And when you go to West Virginia, it's never easy. West Virginia is a team that's capable. Um, so this, this is like one of those tests and they're coming off the big win and West Virginia is coming off a really bad loss to Texas tech. So maybe the Mountaineers can mount a mount a rally because, but TCU, it's just been magical. They find a way to win. Yeah. And number eight, Oregon's going to be taking on Cal and Cal has lost three in a row. The season kind of started off with some optimism. Of course, Oregon got absolutely annihilated by Georgia and then has been on a six game winning streak. And it really looks like behind Bo Nix and his almost 2,000 yards of passing, I got to think that um, Oregon's going to prevail in this and uh, look to move up the rankings. Meanwhile, in the Big 12, uh, big clash, number nine, Oklahoma State, at 22nd-ranked Kansas State. You know, it's amazing. I've never seen so many Big 12 meaningful games, huge games, without Oklahoma. But that's the kind of year it has been. Uh, OSU, uh, coming in, they're six and one. Wildcats five and two. Uh, K State is uh, just a slight favorite, like point and a half, uh, heading into this game. We'll see if that line moves. But again, this is one with so many implications. TCU still has the tiebreak advantage because they've beaten both of these teams, the Horn Frogs. Um, so again, this is one uh, each team needs a win to stay in the race in the Big Twelve. Number ten, USC is at Arizona, and um, so I'm gonna go back to those quarterback stats. Love that, Caleb Williams. 19 touchdowns, one interception. Wow. Seems like a pattern here. That's pretty good. So USC is, I mean, they're, they're playing really well. They're coming off though. Uh, as you know, you know, they're trying to get back in the win column. Um, so after a rough, rough loss to Oregon, so they've got to, they can write the ship at Arizona and they should be fine scoring against the Wildcats. Yeah. And we also have uh, wake forest going up against Louisville wake forest. Also number 10. And you're looking at a team here that really is is built behind uh, Sam Hartman. And they've only lost to Clemson, and that was a game that went into overtime. And last week, he had five uh, passing touchdowns and one running touchdown against Boston College. I think Louisville is going to be going into a, or going to be dealing with a buzzsaw there with that Wake Forest offense on a trend upward. Last game of the uh of the night Saturday night is uh, UCLA hosting Stanford 10 30 p.m. kickoff on ESPN uh, the Bruins at six and one coming off their first loss of the season taking on the Cardinal at three and four uh, UCLA and that outstanding offense racking up almost uh, averaging almost 500 yards a game uh, but the Bruins now three and one in the Pac-12 after losing at Oregon um, eighth consecutive loss 
to the Ducks. That dropped them behind Oregon, and what a rebound they made after that uh, opening weekend shellacking they took uh, against Georgia down at the Dome there in Atlanta, the Falcon Stadium. So, uh, But UCLA trying to get back on track and stay in the hunt in the Pac-12. You've got uh, Ole Miss at Texas A&M, and uh, you know, Lane Kiffin has done a great job there, but they come coming off a loss, and they're a two-and-a-half-point favorite at Texas A&M. Texas A&M has been kind of that team that everybody thought was going to be good this year, and they have not been good at all. They're three and four. They're struggling. Um, and, you know, they've had – there's lots of talk about transfer portals and things like that, and we've had the Saban and Jimbo Fisher rift in the offseason. And, and, you know, sometimes you get, when you walk the walk, Jimbo – or when you talk, talk, Jimbo, you got to walk the walk. And he has not walked the walk this season. Yeah, and now we've got the one that I'm excited about. Number 16, Syracuse, playing is Notre Dame. And um, I always root against Notre Dame. So we've got the Syracuse coming off that uh, heartbreaking loss to Clemson, but yet they've got the better offense, the better defense. This is a big game for them because they win this game. They go up to seven and one. It really sets up a, a very good season for them and they need to beat the, the uh, Irish. And I think they've got everything they need to do that. 17th ranked Illinois is at Nebraska. Illini six and one vying for their sixth win in a row. This is a 3.30 p.m. kickoff. Eastern time on ABC. Uh, we know what the Illini do with the rushing game, and that's what Brett Bielema, that's his bread and butter, right? I mean, uh, Chase Brown, the junior, uh, getting some uh, talk for the Doak Walker Award as a top running back, maybe even some little bit of Heisman buzz, and um, certainly he's, he's in the conversation at the moment. Leading rusher in the country, uh, 1,059 yards with only uh, four touchdowns. But, you know, one of the offensive players that hasn't been talked about is the quarterback Tommy DeVito, the sophomore uh, from Syracuse. Um, very nice season, uh, 1,415 yards, 10 touchdowns, only two interceptions. And he's got quite a few rushing touchdowns as well. DeVito, uh, four to tie for the team lead with Brown. And so this is, um, you know, an Illinois favorite in this game. And they're a touchdown favorite going in, trying to get the win and get into November as a team that again, controls their own destiny. If they can uh, win out, they will win the West division in the big 10. Yeah. If Illinois wins out and, but even if Illinois loses to Michigan, then they get to play Ohio State, and then they have three losses to Michigan, Ohio State, Indiana, just what you expect. So um, since <laughs> next game, Cincinnati and UCF, this is a really good game, um, kind of under the radar. UCF's 5-2, and two, Cincinnati's 6-1. and one. Uh, UCF is actually a one-point favorite over number 20 Cincinnati in this one. And I think, again, this is a game where it's going to come down to which defense can, can do, a, do enough to slow down the offense, which get those interceptions, get the turnovers, and they'll have a chance to win this game. I, you know, I like, I actually like UCF to, to pull off the, uh, it's semi upset here at home. Yes. The favorite pulling off the upset, but yes, I understand. <laughs> I understand where you're coming from. Uh, number 21, uh, North Carolina taking on Pitt. This looks like a really good game. Drake may who has over 2000 yards passing 24 TDs, three interceptions. He has really been on a roll. Uh, the only loss to North Carolina uh, that they've have is to Notre Dame. Really, all they have to do with Pitt is just stop Israel Abakananda, who has 959 yards rushing. So he's actually fourth on the list. If he if they can slow him down a little bit and and not allow Pitt to control the ball, I think uh, May and the UNC offense will have their way with Pitt. Meanwhile, South Carolina coming in number 25 this week, the first time in the AP poll since 2018. And uh, 
they're, they're trying to get their winning streak up to four games. That's the longest since 2013. They are at Missouri and uh, the Gamecocks, the early slight favorites uh, in that one. Well, stay with us. We pay some bills and then the conversation continues up next. Seventeenth ranked Illinois at Nebraska, three thirty Eastern time kickoff on ABC. Joining us with more on the Big Ten West matchup is Robin Washett, senior writer for HuskerOnline.com. Robin, welcome back to the show. Certainly, things have changed since last time we talked a few weeks ago. Uh, that was on the heels of the school firing Scott Frost after that one and three start. Uh, the Huskers now in two and two under interim coach Mickey Joseph. Yes, things have definitely changed to where uh, coming off. That firing decision, and even a week later, um, after the blowout loss to Oklahoma, uh, it looked like this thing had completely fallen off the rails, and you know you were just trying to get through the rest of the season uh, without as little damage as possible. And now, here they are, uh, like you said, got two two wins. Um, you know, played Purdue down to the wire uh, to where you know I mean it's still an uphill battle over these next five games, but um, you know I think that you're you're projection on what is actually attainable certainly has changed a lot um, to where Mickey Joseph and, and the staff his interim uh, defensive coordinator, Bill Bush, and uh, the rest of the coaches have, have really done a impressive job of keeping this thing together to where they, they still have a chance. And um, that's a real credit to them. It's credit to the players uh, to where they're at a point where they could have easily just cashed it in and, uh, you know, already looked to the transfer portal and all that stuff, but uh, they decided to stick with it and, you know, now they got a real opportunity where um, it's going to be an uphill battle uh, starting this week with with Illinois coming to town. But um, you know, with with that challenge comes opportunity, and we'll see what they're able to do with it. Because um, they are able to to get a couple of these. One, they could be in prime position going to that finale against Iowa uh, with a chance to go to a bowl game for the first time since 2016. If they do that, um, given the metrics that came out uh, that USA Today's lawsuit forced out of Nebraska, where Six wins in a bowl game was the the standard for Scott Frost. What if Mickey Joseph does that? Does that change the conversation about his place in this coaching search? So um, if nothing else, no shortage of intrigue, uh, which is nice for me, uh, considering where I thought the season was headed just a month ago. So what have they, has there been any like fundamental changes to, to the way they play? Are they doing something differently that's helped with their success or is it's just same thing, just executing better. Just try, what's what's the take there? Yeah, I don't. They didn't really have the opportunity to do any like wholesale changes, but what they did do was just simplify things, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, where before they were trying to match personnel and call plays at the line uh, based off formations and all that sort of thing. It almost got too cute with it to where guys were getting confused and they weren't set and they weren't set and they were out of position. And so um, a lot of the issues they had in those first three games of the season was just because guys didn't know where to be and what they were supposed to do. So when Bill Bush, um, you know, who was the special teams coordinator, when he took over the defense, he decided, you know what, we're going to have our base defense. We're going to make our calls and guys are going to have their feet set in the ground, ready to go when the ball is snapped. And I think that's made as much of a difference as anything to where it's amazing what happens uh, when guys are actually in position and have an understanding of what gap they're supposed to fill and who they're supposed to cover, and um, you know, where their place is in the zone. So I think that has led to as much of an improvement as anything defensively. And then offensively, um, you know, I think you're starting to see that, that chemistry uh, 
particularly between the quarterback and the receivers, really start to evolve. Trey Palmer um, is now one of the best receivers in uh, the country, given his stats and his, his pro football focus grades and whatnot. And um, that, I think, just took time to where now that that trust factor and chemistry between quarterback Casey Thompson and Trey um, has really reached a, a new level. And um, the running game has left a lot to be desired. The offensive line with their protection, run blocking has left a lot to be desired. But I think the the firepower as far as quarterback, receivers, skill position players uh, has taken that next step. And I think that's just a matter of, of playing together. And again, you know, I think you got to credit Mickey Joseph um, a lot with that Mark Whipple, uh, the offensive coordinator for kind of continuing to understand with what they have to work with, with their personnel and, you know, dialing up, uh, you know, an offense that seems to be pretty effective right now, especially with what they just did at Purdue. So the question that I kind of come up to is looking at the two teams, is the Nebraska offensive line going to be able to protect the quarterback long enough for the ball to get out out to Palmer? And how do you think he'll do against Illinois' defensive backfield, which has gained quite a few accolades as the seasons went on? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be the story of the game. I mean, obviously, they have to stop Illinois' running game, Chase Brown, but uh, if they don't protect Casey Thompson better than they have been, um, he's already beat up. Uh, this bye week was critical for him just to go a week without getting knocked around for 60 minutes. Uh, keeping him upright is going to be um, the absolute most critical part of this game plan. Uh, because if they can't, if they can't run the ball, at least somewhat effectively and consistently, and they're going to ask Casey to drop back 50 times uh, and stand in the pocket, that's that's not going to end well. So um, as far as the offensive line being able to give him time, a lot of that, I think, comes with the scheme. Uh, you got to get the ball out of his hands quickly. Got to run some quick timing routes, uh, maybe do some um, you know timing plays with, with screen passes. That really hasn't been much of a factor in their offense. Um, and especially given the attention that will be paid to Trey Palmer, uh, Nebraska's already uh, anticipating Illinois bracketing him with the safety on pretty much every possession that he's on the field. Other guys are going to have to step up. And I guess the good news for Nebraska is they have weapons. Um, They have other receivers. Uh, Marcus Washington, who Illinois recruited twice out of high school. And then uh, after he hit the portal from Texas, uh, Travis Volkolek, um, he's a potential NFL caliber tight end. Um, You know, they got some other receivers with Oliver Martin, former Iowa Hawkeye, um, Alante Brown. So, I mean, they've got guys that have the potential to capitalize on the attention that will be paid and has to be paid to Trey Palmer. It's just a matter of can the O-line do enough to slow down Illinois' pass rush? Can the running game do enough to keep Illinois honest with how much they attack the quarterback? And then can those skill players win the one-on-one matchups that will be there just given, um, you know, needing to account for Trey Palmer? You know, you hit it right on the head. It's amazing to think about um, that this game is considered a a marquee game this week with the ABC time slot in the you know late afternoon. Um, who would have thunk that when the season began, considering the way these two teams, uh, how they, you know, the record last year. And of course, with the Nebraska's uh, early start as well, certainly uh, as, as you put it, the wheels were coming off at that point, even after the Oklahoma game, but Mickey Joseph, nice job as a mechanic to put the wheels back on the machine and get it going in the right direction. Robin, we will uh, leave it there. Enjoy the game. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me guys. All right, Thank Robin Wajit of uh, HuskerOnline.com. Again, Illinois, 17th team uh, in the country. Uh, out there, uh, 
in Lincoln. And what a game that is, is going to be with that uh, NCAA record number of sellouts. Nobody does it better uh, than the Huskers. Should be a great time. We appreciate Robin's time here in the show. Could March Madness become even crazier? We'll talk about that coming up. Are you tired of your website making your business look bad? Is your current web developer dropping the ball? Let's face it, if your website isn't making you money, it's broken. Let Neon Rain create a website that turns your visitors into customers. Neon Rain has worked with hundreds of businesses across North America, building custom websites and applications with modern designs that are easy to update and work well on mobile devices. They can do it for you too. What sets Neon Rain apart? They actually deliver on their promises. Call today for a free consultation 303-957-3092 that's neon rain at 303-957-3092 or visit them at neonrain.com paramedic firefighter police officer different job titles one common goal to keep communities safe they all risk their lives every day responding to emergencies Just because they accept their jobs can be hazardous doesn't mean they have to be. Is your workplace safe for everyone? Learn more about the Put Yourself in Our Boots campaign at ourboots.ca. This message brought to you by the John Petropoulos Memorial Fund. My muscles ached. I was tired all the time. My son had a full-blown asthma attack. It came out of nowhere. The unsettling thing about some symptoms is... A fever. Headaches. You don't always know what's causing them. It was Lyme disease from a tick bite. A reaction triggered by cockroach allergens. I had West Nile virus from a mosquito. Threats to your health can come from unexpected places. Mosquitoes, ticks, and cockroaches can make you sick. Get the facts. Visit pestworld.org. Now back to the studio and the guys from Big Sports Radio. We continue here on Big Sports Radio, and as we talked uh, just before the timeout, uh, boy, kind of some shockwaves. You know, the NCAA tournament hasn't moved much. They just added the extra four teams, make it 68, but moved to a field of 64 back in 1985, and that's been it, except for the, the first four, as we now know, playing uh, on that Tuesday night right before the, the games get going. Uh, you know, a couple of matchups there, Tuesday and Wednesday night, to add those other teams, make it 68 teams instead. Um, now there's some talk that uh, they're moving toward expansion for the first time again in decades. And I mean, significant expansion. Um, There's talk about trying to have 25% of any given sport have access to its tournament. Now that would mean for the NCAA tournament, the men's tournament going up to about 96 teams instead of 68. Your thoughts. I, I, I think it's inevitable. It's going to happen. And we we just, we're going to expand. I don't, I don't necessarily like it. I I'd go back to 64. It's fine. Whatever. Now, if they are going to expand, let's make it interesting and let's make it rewarding for the top teams. Like make it, let's move it to 80 so that those teams got to play in or move it to 96. Now, I know Scott Drew from Baylor wanted to go to 128, (laughs) but I mean, there has to be, I feel like there has to be a reward for teams that get those top seeds. And if they, their teams have to play that extra game, maybe it gives them a little reward because these teams play to the end. They play through a conference tournament. They win a conference tournament. Then they got to come back and maybe play on Thursday after getting done on Sunday. Yeah. Travel, all that stuff, the media, everything. It, it's a quick turnaround for a team that just played, you know, maybe three or four games in three or four days. 
Yeah, I think Brad's got it right on the, you know, hit the nail on the head. This is going to happen. Um, it's just a matter of how they're going to do it. And I do think you have to have some sort of reward uh, for teams excelling. And and so, you know, I, I don't care. Put more teams in. You know, hockey, I think, actually has more people in the NHL. They have more teams in the NHL playoffs than they have teams. I mean, it's it's amazing. <laughs> so to me, put more in, but but have it bracketed where, you know, the top, you know, you figure it out, 32 teams or whatever. 64 teams whatever don't have to play and you, you have some play-ins and and make it fun it'll be because for those kids you know uh, uh, you know as old adults we get a little bit cynical but for those kids who are on national tv and maybe they aren't normally on it and they're getting an opportunity to play a game to get into the next level of the tournament that's going to be something that they have for the rest of their life i can live with that well, it'd be pretty cool, and I think logistically how you may do it, you eliminate the first four, so that, that's no longer a thing. Yep. Uh, maybe you just, again, go to the regional sites where you have now, and you just bring in more teams to each of the, uh, the sub-regionals, if you will, um, and you play three days of games at that venue instead of just the two days of games uh, at each venue. And then the money, right now CBS pays uh, about um, $770 million annually to broadcast uh, the games right now, but imagine again, what that money would go up to. If you're doing this and all those extra games, um, you could approach a billion dollars. Maybe it's basketball being jealous um, of, of <laughs> all the money that they're, that they're going to make uh, that, that could be possible. So uh, this is big sports radio. We're Larry, we're Mike, we're Brad. Glad you're with us here on the big sports radio network. You're listening to the big sports radio network with Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy. Hour number two, Larry Smith, Mike Kenkley, Brad Sturdy, as we take a closer look at the Big Ten slate of football games this week. And, um, you know, let's start in the East. You know, you can go through the entire season, and it seems like every single year uh, it's all, always comes down to the same two teams. Yeah, it does. And, you know, when you look at this, we look at this, uh, you know, this week we've got – it's always Michigan Ohio State, but this week we actually have a game that might be – Decent, maybe. Maybe Ohio State has to play somebody decent. And that's this week it's Penn State. They get to go into the Lions. And Penn State, here's the scary part about this game. Illinois or uh, Illinois. Ohio State is seven and zero. Penn State's six and one. And you've got a 15 and a half point spread at Penn State. That tells you how dominate the, dominant the Buckeyes have been. They're giving up under 15 points a game and they're scoring uh, over 40 points a game. So they've been just completely dominant. But Penn State, um, you know, outside of the Michigan game has been pretty good as well. Coming off a big win over um, Minnesota. So this is going to be a, this should be a fun, fun matchup. Yeah. And, and of course, you've got Michigan against Michigan State this week as well. That is one that is a, a rivalry game. So you kind of go to the, well, you never know what's going to happen. At the same time, um, Michigan State has lost four out of their last five, but they beat Wisconsin last week. They're feeling good about how things are going. And, of course, you've got uh, the Wolverines who are just in unbelievable form after beating Penn State 41 to 17 last week in a game that was not as close as the 41 to 17 score would indicate. I think this is a, a real opportunity for Jim Harbaugh to kind of take care of the recruiting battles against Michigan State. And I think this is going to be a game 
that that Michigan defense, which uh, does very well at getting teams off the field, uh, stopping more drives than any other uh, 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 team in the country, I think this is going to be a time for them to flex their muscles and send another message to Ohio State that um, there's two of us that have to tango come Thanksgiving. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the West, it is Illinois sitting all by themselves, a 17th-ranked Illini at Nebraska on Saturday. Uh, the Cornhuskers, uh, you know, the, the terrible start under Scott Frost, and of course we talked about uh, if he could have gotten to October 1st, uh, his buyout would have been cut in half, only $7.5 million. Instead, they paid him an extra $7.5 million, $15 million to get out right then. Mickey Joseph has come in. Um, they had the blowout loss at home against Oklahoma, fired their defensive coordinator, and since then they've kind of settled down just a little bit. But a big test here is uh, Nebraska is at home, but they're an underdog. Um, but maybe a little confident in this one for the Huskers as they just won their first road game in almost two years and got consecutive league wins. Uh, for the first time since 2018. So Nebraska on a bit of a high, Illinois trying to get their sixth win of the year, sixth straight win this year. Yeah, you know, the Illini defense kind of uh, it has been, you know, really good. And I think we saw that when they played Minnesota, that kind of showed that maybe they're legit. And Minnesota's kind of fallen on hard times. We thought Minnesota was going to be a legit, like Big Ten West title contender. Now they're four and three. Kind of struggling, falling by the you know, falling behind in, in the division, but they get a chance to get healthy when they play Rutgers. They're a 15 point favorite. Um, and and Rutgers, I, I oddly, I, I don't think Rutgers is a bad football team. Um, they are four and three as well, but they just don't seem to have the horses to compete with the teams in the top of the Big Ten conferences, even or or the teams in the middle of the Big Ten conference in this case. <laughs> so Minnesota, you know, I, I think they need this win and they'll get it um, at home um, to get to five and three. Speaking of needing to get a win, that would pretty much be both Northwestern and Iowa in, <laughs> in this matchup. And Iowa has one of the worst offenses that we've seen in years. Averaging a whopping 14 points a game, but Northwestern is only averaging 18 and a half points a game. So it's not like you're going to be looking at this big difference in offensive capabilities, but Iowa's defense is still in the top 10 in the country and Northwestern's is not. So I am expecting to see um, (laughs) Iowa strangle Northwestern. It may not be fun football to watch, but I think the Hawkeye fans are going to get their fourth win to bring them up to four and four this year. And as rough as this year has been, they still have a, a pathway to making it to a bowl. <laughs> as crazy as that is. Hey, you know, one sport that uh, Northwestern is really good in is women's soccer. Uh, they were leading the Big Ten until last uh, Sunday, the last day of the regular season. Um, they lost the top seed to Michigan State, the Spartans winning their first ever regular season championship in the Big Ten. So they go in as the number one seed. Four matches all on campus sites coming up uh, on Sunday. Michigan State is home against uh, the eighth seed uh, Minnesota uh, Golden Gophers. Uh, Northwestern settles for the two seed. They're taking on number seven Rutgers. Uh, Rutgers uh, had a school record 9-0 start at one point, um, and yet uh, they fall down only to a seven seed. That's just how competitive the Big Ten has been this year in women's soccer. Wisconsin, the three seed, home to Penn State. Nebraska, the four seed, and home to uh, the Buckeyes at uh, number five. How about in volleyball? Speaking of Nebraska, um, they are now number one in the country. They've been kind of sitting back, uh, kind of waiting to get in. They couldn't get past uh, Texas. They finally get up there number one. And, Mike, you were saying something interesting uh, about the Huskers as they vie for a national title and try to 
a knockoff conference foe, uh, Wisconsin uh, off that perch is the defending champion. Yeah, if they were, there is a there is a chance. A lot of pieces have to line up exactly on the chessboard correctly, but there's a chance that they could go into the postseason and not have to leave the state of Nebraska and win a national title. So that's kind of like the way Kentucky used to win them in basketball. <laughs> pretty pretty neat deal. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so a lot of fun, a lot of stuff going on all around the Big Ten. Stay with us. Much more to come after this. He is the true jack of all trades. Tim Sinclair serves as a public address announcer for Illinois Fighting Illini Basketball, Chicago Bulls, Chicago Bears, Chicago Fire, and uh, he's about to become uh, the PA guy for the Big Ten title game in Indianapolis in December. Uh, also, is on the last three NBA 2K video games, and uh, he also has a, a podcast platform. So um, he's a busy guy. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Tim Sinclair, good to have you back on the show. Uh, do you have like a giant calendar at, at home to, to keep track of it all? Well, it's not giant, but I do use my Google calendar on my phone uh, religiously because yeah. otherwise – with not only so much going on, but in some cases in different cities, I've got to make sure I'm in the right place at the right time early enough to make, you know, rehearsals and things like that. So it can get a little complicated. So it's good to have you on, Tim. Um, most of the time I'm outnumbered by Eastern Illinois grads with, um, you know, Brad and uh, Larry picking on me, but it's good to have a fellow Muhammad Seymour grad here. Um <laughs> Uh, the the question that I have is, you know, with with all the things that you do, how does somebody get positioned to be on a video game as big as NBA 2K? Well, they decided to try to make the game as real as they possibly could. And, you know, all these big video game companies are looking for the leg up right on, on the other ones who are doing it, whether it's Madden or 2K or whatever. And so 2K decided, what if we made every arena look like the home arena? They've been doing that for a while. And then what if we made every arena sound like the home arena, too? And so they reached out to uh, a lot of the NBA PA guys and said, hey, would you be interested in coming to Los Angeles, recording, trying to get everything together so that we can make it not only look, but sound and feel like your home arena? And of course, uh, I jumped at that opportunity and started in uh 2k 22 which you know we were recording in march of 21 for that and uh i'm getting ready to go do it for my third time here very very soon and it's been an absolute blast talking with tim sinclair here who is the uh, pa uh announcer for a, a host of teams uh but you mentioned uh, not just that in the video games you've got another thing that you started um that's it's kind of taken off uh this uh, a podcast uh, platform tell us more about that yeah, it's called Stump Sports. Uh, it's an app on iOS and Android. And the idea is for, one, consumers to consume sports content that's created by regular podcasters, but also people who are just more fans who want to talk about sports and don't necessarily want to create their own podcast and pay for all the things that have to go with that. It's just a social media network that they can record their voice or record with their friends about anything sports-wise, and then you can search based on your favorite teams, cities, leagues, sports, etc. cetera. Um, I have a podcast that I've put on there that's a little more in-depth than most, uh, pretty highly produced, but a lot of the content is 
just one, two, three, four people talking about their favorite sports. And quite honestly, my favorite podcasts now that I listen to are on the Stump Sports app from people who had never done it before, but just decided, hey, this is a really fun, free, easy way for us to talk about our favorite team. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing uh, where it goes. But it's in the infancy, but uh, thousands are there already and uh, certainly would love to have more. Check it out. Yeah, and when you um, when people do that, they don't have to have all of the uh, bells and whistles that you can put into a podcast. So, so literally, just your average sports fan could do their own podcast and get it out there for others to listen to. Yeah, all you need is your phone. You record using the mic on your phone, which, by the way, is great. The only reason people think phones sound bad is because of the transmission of the audio. That's where all the degradation happens. The mics and the phones are good. And so we've figured out a way to record everybody separately on their phone. So if you're talking with two or three friends, you're all going to sound great. It gets pieced together. You don't have to have a, a host. You don't have to upload to YouTube or iTunes or Spotify. You don't have to have an RSS feed, all that stuff that freaks people out when it comes to starting a podcast and costs some money. Usually you don't have here. It's, it works just like Instagram, just like Twitter, but it's using audio instead. And so you were telling us here in the break before we came on that you started this a few years ago, but you've kind of ramped things up lately. Is that correct? Yeah, I actually started a company in 2014 called Ringer, which was just designed to get high quality audio for podcasts and broadcasts. And while that is still going, we've used our patented technology to try to make audio social. We we feel like that's really been a not an untapped market, but it's a growing market now where people don't necessarily want to get in front of cameras. They want to consume and create content from their car, from Starbucks, from their basement, you know, on the go. And this is a great way to do that. So we took what we had developed for Ringer and are turning it into a free social podcasting platform that's specifically designed for sports fans. And uh, that's going to grow and increase rapidly in the coming weeks and months. But uh, we're thrilled with where we are. Yeah, that's excellent. And then I'm assuming that you have like the full full gamut of people talking college sports, NBA, NFL, even even into the boxing, UFC and WWEs of the world. Our goal is to include all of it and if you know eventually everything will be broken down by sport league city team. So okay. if you're talking about the Bulls for example, um all you have to do is search Chicago Bulls and everything that Anybody has recorded about the Bulls will show up and you can listen to those in succession um, all the way through your feed. Um, or if you want to talk about the Bulls Celtics game from last week, you can find that game and hear exactly what people had to say specifically about that game. So it's micro and macro, and um, we're we're really thrilled with, with the direction it's headed. Um, but obviously, these things take time and take money to create, and uh, we're we're kind of in the middle of that right now, but can't wait to have people try it. I, I've got a, a, two questions here. Number one, when do you sleep? Number two, um, how forgive? I'm assuming you're married. How how forgiving is your wife? Um. <laughs> yeah, I you know it depends on the week in terms of when I sleep. Um, usually, it's not bad. I just I work late uh, a lot of nights because yeah. of you know that's just when when games are. Um, my my girlfriend and her two kids and my two boys are all very understanding. And so, um, I, I mean, going in, I was like, look, my schedule is not normal. I have a place in Champaign and a place in Chicago. Sometimes I have to be in one place. Sometimes I have to be in another. And as long as everybody's cool with 
me being where I need to be when I need to be there, um, then, then we're great. And man, Sarah has been amazing. Uh, the kids are, you know, my boys especially are older uh, and they're sports fans. So we've had so many experiences that most dads and kids never get to have just because they get to come sit in the 100 level for bulls games. They sit in the press box for fire games or behind the scores table at Illini basketball. And it's, it's just been tremendous and I wouldn't trade it for the world. Again, everyone, uh, Stump Sports, definitely check this out. It's a it's a different approach. We appreciate your time. Uh, good luck getting sleep, and uh, you know, good luck. And we'll talk to you again soon. I appreciate it. Can't wait to be on. Thanks for having me. All right, this is Tim Sinclair. He's the jack of many trains, as you said at the beginning. Tim, thanks again. We'll talk to you soon. More to come after this timeout. Keep it here. Are you tired of your website making your business look bad? Is your current web developer dropping the ball? Let's face it. If your website isn't making you money, it's broken. Let Neon Rain create a website that turns your visitors into customers. Neon Rain has worked with hundreds of businesses across North America, building custom websites and applications with modern designs that are easy to update and work well on mobile devices. They can do it for you, too. What sets Neon Rain apart? They actually deliver on their promises. Call today for a free consultation, 303-957-3092. That's Neon Rain at 303-957-3092. Or visit them at neonrain.com. BigSportsRadio.com is a one-stop shop providing daily updates of your favorite Big Ten teams. Register today for free and get a chance to win weekly cash prizes. Details at BigSportsRadio.com. Now back to the studio and the guys from Big Sports Radio. Big Sports Radio continues right now with uh, the battle for the Paul Bunyan Trophy. Fourth-ranked Michigan at home for this one. It's the Michigan State Championship. Michigan, the Wolverines, number four in the country, taking on Michigan State. Um, and, boy, it, talk about two programs right now kind of going opposite directions. Wolverines look really good. Spartans, not so much. Don't hate the messenger. It's just It just is what it is. Uh, let's hear first from Coach Jim Harbaugh, who talks about uh, the positives out of the Spartans and uh, closes out this segment, uh, taking uh, taking an offense to Penn State coach James Franklin and kind of blaming him for the fracas in the tunnel at halftime last week at Michigan Stadium. What stands out to you about Michigan State as you've started to prepare for them? It's a really good team, dangerous and uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, I think the quarterback's uh, really good, um, physical team that runs the ball well, really good off the play action pass, probably the best receiving core we played. Defense is very opportunistic. They have uh, they have guys that have a knack for getting the ball out, making big plays. Special teams, uh, more of the same. Returners, outstanding. Big challenge, our team knows that. They, uh, we've all been prepared to, to get ready for this game. In your own experience, what is it about this rivalry that increases the pulse on both sides? I'd say everybody just Everybody wants it so bad, you know. Everybody wants to. Everybody wants to win. You know, players, coaches, fan bases at about as high levels as it can be. This is a rivalry game, and we are not preparing in the same way. It is that next level? What is the balance that you guys are sort of trying to find this week in that? In the way that you're you expect to be preparing at ten out of ten for every game you play, right? I mean, it's if you're not, then then what are you doing? But uh, no matter what, if if maybe that's if that is somehow decreased you know over the weeks then and you back up to you have no doubt that it's where it's at you know this weekend for both sides um old cliche i mean throughout the records is 
is uh, very true. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. You know, both sides, uh, both, both sides just want it want it that much. Um, Jim, when you're facing a team that has struggled, like Michigan State has this season, does it make it any easier to get your players' attention uh, based on re- recent results in this rivalry? Um, yeah, no question. <laughs> yeah, they want. They really, our guys really want to win this. I'm not gonna lie to you. I really want to win. It, you know, um, I have no doubt that if you pulsed every player uh, and every coach on, on both sides, that uh, you know, they'd be. They tell you the exact same thing. I really got bigger fish to fry than uh, Coach Franklin's opinion on uh, the uh, the halftime tunnel from from a game ago. But uh, all they got to do is walk into the into their locker room. And I think you saw, saw cl- pretty clearly that they completely stopped. They weren't letting us get up the tunnel, and uh, it just seemed like such a such a such a sophomore ploy to. Try to keep us out of our locker room, and uh, and he he looked like he was the ringleader of the whole thing. So, uh, but now I got bigger fish to fry, and worry about that kind of whining. Yeah, the the Big Ten's just trying to catch up with the SEC. Uh, Michigan just wants to he wants to have that little Jimbo Fisher Nick Saban get a lot of publicity, and you know they go from there. Um, but you know, I think uh, you know. It, this stuff happens and they, they talk, these coaches are talking every week, but the reality is Michigan, Michigan needs to win this game. I mean, this, they, 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 for them to have a successful season, they've got to win this game and get to the Ohio state game undefeated and, and see where the chips fall. Yeah. And, and I, I, I do have to wonder like what even motivates um, Harbaugh to bring that up. You know, there's I I can't see anything good coming out of it unless he's just trying to occupy some time in the in the press conference. You guys got any thoughts on that? Maybe they maybe they didn't tell him he can just say no comment. (laughs) (laughs) You can do that. I you can do it. That's but you know, that's that's our society. We can't do that. I mean, we we can't just read something and walk away and not comment if we don't agree with it. We gotta jump in. I mean, it's, 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 it's called Facebook. It's, 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 that's what happens. You can't just leave something alone and go, that's your thoughts. Move on. You're exactly right. Hey, but Michigan uh, outstanding 22 point favorites uh, going into this one. Uh, and by the way, the Wolverines enjoying back to back seven and starts for the first time in 48 years. So not bad for a coach that was surprisingly on the hot seat just a couple of years ago. Um, he's redeemed himself. I, I think I think it's fair to say. Uh, so that's Michigan. And uh, meanwhile, Michigan State, on the other hand, as we mentioned, uh, you know, last hour, started off hot, uh, ranked in the top 15 to start the season, back-to-back wins uh, over max schools, and then the wheels have come off losing four or five since then. Here's Coach Mel Tucker. Uh, we all know what this week is. It's uh, not just another game for us. Our players understand that. Our staff understands understands that. Our fans understand that as well. Uh, last week, we had a chance to practice uh, three days and also hit the recruiting trail, which was good for us. Um, we're still very well received out on the recruiting trail. Um, and so uh, we'll have a productive recruiting class. You know, we know what we have to do within our process to prepare. You know, we're going to need to be tough, disciplined, and selfless selfless uh, this week and carry that to the game. Now, you referenced how you didn't really know the rivalry that well when you came here. But, I knew it well. But, I mean, you hadn't been here. But anyway, 
you don't have to be here. No. So, so for the guys that are new, whether they're freshmen or some of the transfers coming in, I know this has been a thing in the past. Is this was last week a time where you were able to say, if you guys weren't aware, here's here's what this thing's about, or, or is that something they kind of already know? No, we educate the players, and we talked about it more this morning than we did last week. So it's just an educational process with the new guys. Don't assume anything. Now, is there a bunker mentality you like about this? Going down there and trying to shock the world when nobody on the outside seems to think you can win? A bunker mentality? Yeah. What does that mean? Well, going down, circling the wagons, going in there and trying to get a game that nobody thinks you can win? Yeah, I mean, we're going, you know, we're preparing and go, go down there and play a game. So, you know, what does that take? It takes intentional focus. It takes, you know, toughness, discipline, being selfless. That's what it takes. So whether you want to call it circle the wagons or bunker mentality or take them to the mattresses or, you know, us against the world or whatever you want to call it. I mean, it is what it is. Not, nothing's changed. It's always going to be that way. So I was wondering what you see from their rushing attack. They've obviously been one of the better teams in the nation on the ground. The two guys, Coram and Edwards, and I think they ran for more than 400 against Penn State. But just what makes them good and efficient in that? Yeah, they have a good line. They're well coached. Um you know, the backs run hard. They can make you miss. They can run you over. Uh, you know, they play hard. The receivers block. The tight ends block. Um, and they, you know, they have formation you. And um, they're going to shift and they're going to motion. And they're going to make sure you sound. And they make sure you can fit the runs. Um, you make sure you're in position. Um, so, they, I mean, they have a good scheme. They have good players. Um, you know, it's just all about the, the delivery of the information to the players and how it's presented to them terms of what this game means and, and things like that. And so, you know, we didn't, we really didn't roll out the bulletin board material and all the videos and all that stuff until this morning, even though it's already out there. But, you know, we, we rolled that stuff out this morning just from an educational standpoint. So um, the players can get it from us and they don't have to get it from the outside. So uh, Tucker, it's always, always fun to listen to the Mel Tucker press conferences because in one sense, he's, he's like, basically feels like what do you mean that we're the only ones to think we can win and then the next one is like i'm going to use this as bulletin board material so uh i i don't know I, it's a little obviously when you're playing a top five team and you're three and four and you've been getting kind of whitewashed by all the other big team 10 teams you're, you're probably not going to be the favorite so nobody's shocked when you lose yeah th- this is a, this is a tough one because you know those two schools it's so rare when both of them are good at the same time and when usually when you see Michigan popping up and playing as well as they are that usually means bad things for Michigan State on the recruiting trail so you almost want to have this even if the year isn't that good you want to upset the Wolverines just to help offset the advantages they're getting in recruiting from being at the top of the Big Ten. Michigan State three and four right now coming off that big season last year. They got Mel Tucker, that gigantic uh, contract extension, almost $100 million, uh, over the next 10 years. Uh, but it doesn't get any, any easier. They've got, uh, they're at number 17, Illinois, next week. Uh, home to Rutgers, home to Indiana uh, before they finish up at number 13, Penn State. So, you know, you look at this right now. Um, you've got five games left. You need to get win three of those. Um, you have to upset a ranked team along the way somewhere to get to six wins. So a bowl game may not be there for the Spartans, but you know, we did talk to Graham Couch of the Lansing State Journal a couple of weeks ago here on the show, and he was saying that, that you know, really Spartan fans are not that concerned 
at the moment because he's recruiting at such a high level. They know that good things are to come in East Lansing. So we will stand by and see uh, if he's right. Stay with us. We talked about uh, that the Spartans have Illinois up next. Well, guess what? So do we. We'll hear from the uh, IlliniGuys.com expert about this matchup, Illini and the Huskers, Saturday in Lincoln. That's next. You're listening to Big Sports Radio. Matt Stevens, IlliniGuys.com, football writer and analyst, is in Lincoln ahead of the Big Ten West matchup between 17th-ranked Illinois and Nebraska. See what I did there? Almost put those two in the Big West, and you guys would have called me on it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Matt, unlike last week, but yeah. Uh, Matt, talking about that, uh, nothing said at the beginning of the season that this would be a marquee matchup with division championship implications. Yeah, it would be a lot longer trip if I was going to a Big West game, right? Um, <laughs> No, I, uh, yeah, I, I think that Illinois fans certainly didn't see this coming, that they would be the favorite to win the Western division at this point um, in late October. I, I honestly, if on the other side of it, I don't think Nebraska fans thought that Mickey Joseph would be their head coach and they were trying to figure out how to salvage a season that hasn't gone well for them. So um, on both ends of the spectrum, I think that they've, they've both kind of, you know, kind of gone on both up a, a major upswing and a major downswing for, for the visiting team and the home team. And I think that this is a, an interesting matchup of how a football season can be a journey throughout a four month process. Is there a, is this Matt, do you think this Nebraska team brings more to the table maybe than we thought they, or when they would have under Scott Frost, just to put it out there. I mean, so is this a dangerous game for Illinois or is this a game where they should win? And it's just a matter of executing. It's a dangerous game for Illinois for one reason, Brad, and I, I keep putting this out there for anybody that asks me. I have a lot of respect for their offensive coordinator that Scott Frost actually hired this past offseason. His name is Mark Whipple. You'll you'll know if you need, if you want to know Mark Whipple was the offensive coordinator last year at Pitt with Kenny Pickett, and uh, they had a nice little receiver too who's now at Southern California who who won the Bolitnikoff Award last year and. He does a really, really Mark does a really, really good job of, of putting his athletes in space and getting them the football. Um, he's done a really, really good job with Casey Thompson, their Nebraska quarterback this year, and he's done a really, really good job with their wide receiver Trey Palmer, um, getting him out in space and, and basically kind of trying to score on. They were they were going to score on every drive that they got the football a couple of weeks ago at, at Purdue. Um, they just couldn't get a stop, which seems to be the confounding issue in Nebraska is that they just can't get stops and. Uh, they have the worst running defense in the Big Ten Conference, which you would think would be a great matchup for Illinois, seeing as how they still have the nation's leading rusher in Chase Brown. So um, I think that it, I think it, actually, it, it's a weird kind of dynamic because I think Nebraska kind of wants to play a very, very um, West Coast offense type of deal um, and, and more of a uh, through the air type of deal. And I think Illinois would kind of like to play bully ball for 60 minutes. And, and that's why they think that they can win this football game. So, you know, we'll see how, which style of play kind of works out, but I'm really interested in seeing the Mark Whipple versus Ryan Walters chess, chess match for 60 minutes. Do you think the, um, you think the, the Nebraska offensive line can slow down the Illini pass rush um, to allow, you know, uh, the pat, the ball to get out to the wide receivers and are they going to be able to run? I mean, to me, that offensive line versus the defensive line, um, more than any other game, this really might determine what happens. Yeah, that's the best matchup that I think I'm looking forward to besides the Mark Whipple, Ryan Walters kind of deal, chess match, Mike, is that 
I call it a race. Okay. Who's going to win the race? Can Illinois pass rush get to Casey Thompson before Casey Thompson can get the ball out in space? Yep. And I think Ryan Walters with his odd man front and what he usually does um, with that odd man front and kind of rushes at least five, maybe six, sometimes seven guys and has no problem playing man on man in the back. Um, I think he thinks he can get there before Casey Thompson can get the ball out. And I think that they've been proven that Nebraska has had problems kind of de- defending, you know, really aggressive blitz styles. The, the call sheet for Ryan Walters isn't that, isn't that thick. You know, it's, it's, it's not that big. It's not that long. You know, it's, it's a really, really simple defensive scheme because in the back they do play man. I don't know how he's going to get away with that for the entire game because Trey Palmer is one of the best receivers in the Big Ten, and they've got to figure out a way to handle that. Um, but Ryan Walters has a lot of confidence in at least three guys, and I'll name them, Devin Witherspoon, Javar, uh, uh, Quan Martin, and then Kendall Smith. I think he feels really, really confident with playing center field out there at, at safety. They, they have some guys that they think that they can cover him with. I don't think it'll be a Devin Witherspoon all day long thing for, for Trey Palmer. Um, they're going to they're gonna hand him off to some guys. But, yeah, I think Ryan Walters needs to be able to get to Casey Thompson and get him uncomfortable, and I think he thinks he can win that race. So, Matt, talking about Nebraska's offense and defense, let's talk about first the offense because Mickey Joseph really keyed in on how he wants his team to stop scoring so quickly. Do you think that's even going to be a factor for Nebraska on offense? I think it has been since the Oklahoma game, and they've made an adjustment after the bye week. Even against Illinois? Yeah, I, I think so. I really do. And the reason is, is because like I have a lot of friends in the business that have had that have had to be defensive coaches and quite honestly, defensive coordinators for like, say, a Mike Leach head coached team. And it is their biggest concern all year is that how are we going to ha- like, how am I going to be able to do this with my defense on the field two thirds of the time? Right. And so. I do think that Nebraska is, is trying to figure out a way to kind of stretch drives out a little bit longer um, and, and keep their defense off the field as much as possible um, because they, they know that that's the Achilles heel of this team right now. There's a reason why that they're, they're last in the Big Ten and stopping the run, and it's just because the quote-unquote black shirts this year just aren't as physical as they have been in the past. And that's one of the reasons I think – you know, you saw Trev Alberts name Mickey Joseph the interim head coach because I think he's trying to create a physicality and a toughness in this team as they finish this stretch um, to salvage something. And I think that they did that against Indiana. I saw some stuff that they did against Purdue that was really, really uh, worthwhile. But the problem, the problem, guys, is that if if Jeff Brom had his way about it, he'd never run the football. And they ran for over almost 200 yards on Nebraska. Illinois would love to run the football, and I can't see them not having success on Saturday doing just that. The 3.30 Eastern kickoff on ABC, number 17, Illinois, at Nebraska. The Illini, the last one-loss team left in the West Division, uh, so they control their own destiny. If they win out, they'll make their first-ever appearance in Indy in the conference title game. Matt Siemens of IlliniGuys.com. Many thanks, and enjoy the game. Not a problem, guys. Have a good one. All right. That's Matt Stevens. Enjoy his stuff. Pre-game, post-game on IlliniGuys.com. Much more just ahead. Stay with us. As we continue on this uh, last weekend in October on Big Sports Radio, you know, Mike does a, a weekly podcast called Eye on the Illini and caught up this week with Caleb Henry, who's the sports director for KLIN in Lincoln, talking about the matchup with the Huskers and the Illini. Let's listen in to a part of that. Well, Illinois' defense, first of all, and that's one of the things that I've talked about why 
I'm glad Nebraska has this game at home, uh, first of all. And that was a couple of weeks ago on, on one of our morning shows. We pick out winners, and I was the only one who picked Illinois over Minnesota. And the reason for that was because up until that game, the Illini had not given up a touchdown at home. So that's that first of all, right away, the, the defense there, because Nebraska's offense, if you looked at the the Purdue game, didn't have the ball a whole lot. It was basically you got everything or you got nothing. And they happen to get everything more often than they than they got nothing, just still came up short. And I, I don't trust Nebraska's offense to be able to do that week in and week out, especially against a defense that's much better than Purdue's. And then because Illinois runs the ball, you guys might run the ball 50 times on Nebraska. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in Nebraska was given up chunk plays to Georgia Southern, who, yeah. who is one of the top teams in the country for the number of times that they throw the ball in a game. Purdue ran over 100 plays in the game because they wanted to sling it around. If Purdue wanted to just run the ball, they could have just run the ball against Nebraska. So to me, it's both sides of the ball already that Illinois' defense is something that Nebraska really hasn't had to face so far this year. And then if Illinois can run the ball and not let Nebraska's offense as lethal as it can be at times, especially going Casey Thompson to Trey Palmer, yep. then if they're just not out there enough to score, it's going to be a long day. Well, a short day because you're going to be running the ball. That clock will move pretty quick on Saturday. So when when we look at Nebraska, the first thing I guess that really kind of uh, shocked me, especially when you think about the history of Nebraska, the porous defense, uh, and I say porous in terms of, you know, letting stuff through. This is just not what people think of when they think Nebraska football. Is it a coordination issue? Is it a talent issue? What, what do you think it is when when they're allowing over 30 points a game, which I don't know that you would ever say that, you know, Bo Pelini, you wouldn't have said it. <laughs> Dolich, certainly under, you know, Coach Osborne. Yeah. Any it's, thoughts? It's one of those things that in this, I, I struggle with this being here in Nebraska, is that what is that outside reputation? And I, I was lucky enough that I went to college outside of the state. So I got to see a little bit of what that outside reputation was, especially because I was, I was actually in Illinois at the time as Nebraska transitioned to the Big Ten Conference. So I got to hear from a lot of people, okay, this is what we know about Nebraska and, and what the what it is traditionally. That's just not what Nebraska is anymore. Those are things that you want to aspire to get to, yep. where you're going to play hard-nosed football, you're going to be able to run it on anybody, and you're going to take no prisoners on defense. That's just not what this team is, and it's not what they've been for a while. The defensive coordinator got fired several weeks back, uh, just a couple of weeks after Scott yep. Frost, the head coach, got fired. So you're in a transition there. And actually, the defense is playing better than they did the first three, four games. Um, so you've had Bill Bush come in. He was a special teams coordinator. He's He's been all over the place. He's been involved with Nebraska before. But he changed up scheme a little bit. You went through, made the, made the calls a little simpler. Guys can get the play, can get lined up quicker. And that saves you a little bit at the snap immediately. So Bill Bush has done a good job of taking what's available and making it better. Just they're ravaged with injuries. They they had depth issues already in a number of places. They've got, well, at least this last game out, they were playing two backups at inside linebacker. 
So your, your talent was already your inside linebackers and your edge rushers. And if both of your inside linebackers, you're down to backups, Purdue was able to just key in on blocking the edge rushers of O'Shawn Mathis and Garrett Nelson. Well, that takes away any kind of rush you are going to get pass or for uh, trying to stop the run. So that, that already, it becomes a little bit of scheme the way the guys have been coached for since 2018. Once again, that is Caleb Henry of KLIN Lincoln, one of our uh, flagship stations here along the Big Sports Radio Network. You can hear that entire podcast on the Eye on the Illini, which you can find on IlliniGuys.com or wherever you find your podcast. We continue with more after this. Are you tired of your website making your business look bad? Is your current web developer dropping the ball? Let's face it, if your website isn't making you money, it's broken. Let Neon Rain create a website that turns your visitors into customers. Neon Rain has worked with hundreds of businesses across North America, building custom websites and applications with modern designs that are easy to update and work well on mobile devices. They can do it for you too. What sets Neon Rain apart? They actually deliver on their promises. Call today for a free consultation, 303-957-3092. That's Neon Rain at 303-957-3092. Or visit them at neonrain.com. Getting out of the military, I was missing this camaraderie. It's frustrating when you try and talk to people that don't understand. I still had the anger. I still had the addictions. But we didn't talk about that. came to a point where it's like, okay, I really need to talk to somebody about this. Family more or less encouraged me, you know, go go to the VA. It's okay to go get help. It's okay to talk to people because it takes true strength to ask for help. Hear veterans' real stories of strength and recovery at maketheconnection.net. Now back to the studio and the guys from Big Sports Radio. Uh, as we continue here, we would be remiss if we didn't get into uh, some of the scheduling this week, uh, all the Big Ten schedules for football release for the 2023 campaign. Um, and, and, guys, you know, it's it's funny that we're still going to have uh, the divisions at least for one more year. Yeah, I, I think it made sense to keep it for one more year because, obviously, the big change will come in 2024 when you add USC and UCLA to, to the mix. But, you know, it, it's – so whoever there will be one more opportunity to win the big 10 title at the big 10 championship game and from the East or West. And, you know, one more year of unbalanced uh, <laughs> schedules in the sense that you got Michigan, Ohio state and Penn state on one side and everybody else on the other. So um, I, I think it, it, they had to do it this year and it, it should be uh it should make for a, you know, one last go around with the big 10 East and big 10 West. What I what I noticed was really interesting is looking at the schedule. The Big Ten seems to have taken over the SEC's uh, theory of uh, scheduling no one in the uh, non-conference games. I think <laughs> you know, I think basically we have Notre Dame and Ohio State play, and beyond that, it gets a, a little bit sparse on the the competition that is being played. But I do think it's it's very interesting because. You know, you're, you're going to have this this set up one time. So the West has two shots to beat Michigan or Ohio State. Can they do it? <laughs> I'm not certain. You know, guys, yeah, that's uh, that's a great point. And they get to 2024, you add USC and UCLA, and so many feel that they will um, – the divisions are gone then, and then it's just one big 16-team standings, and you're even first or all the way down to 16th. And I think that's going to be strange because if you're still at that point, if you're playing, you know, eight, nine games, you're only playing half the field. So 
um, you're going to be even more unbalanced in a way. And, you know, I, I guess, I don't know, you didn't want to add both teams to the West. Is that what that is? I mean, I'm not quite sure that if, if maybe it's already been said, and I just missed it. I don't know the rationale behind that. Yeah, I, I think that I, I think they should just throw them in the West and then send somebody else to the East. So you end up with eight and eight and just go from there. But that's probably not going to happen. So it'll be interesting to see how they how they break it up. I think they said that they're going to be um, involved in some way, shape or form. Um, they're going to have like little like groupings, I guess, that you would play in in basketball. We're going to play them twice and versus once. Then you're going to have football. It's going to be, you know, they're going to do it more geographically. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But uh, it's I, I can't wait to see what that schedule looks like, because it could be really, really odd. Yeah, I think they're going to go. It sounds like they're going to go to uh, four, fourteen pods where you play your your own pod for three games, and then you play two people from each of the other three pods to give you the total of nine Big Ten games. And then at that point, I still am not. I'm still thinking that we may end up uh, as a way to have four teams make it, and then you have two games leading to the big 10 championship. And I could see them sliding in an additional round there, a final four, and then a championship game. And then you're cashing even more checks. Serena Williams, you know, we made the big deal in August that she was, uh, she never said the word retiring, but she said she was transitioning. Um, Well, uh, if Tom Brady gets divorced, I know who he can marry because now she's saying, Hey, I'm not going anywhere. In fact, the chances of returning are very high. Yeah, it's it's uh, interesting. Uh, nobody really retires, do they? Like nobody ever retires. They just take. It's just a break. I mean, I think some. It is true. I think they need a break. Professional athletes need that break. It's constant grind. So I retire for a month or two, and then nobody talks to me for a while, and then, eh, I need it back. Yeah, I think that's the the main thing, Brad. I mean, it must be incredible to walk around and have everybody know who you are and shake your hand and tell them about some memory of a game that you played and how great you were. And, you know, Oh, thank you for, you know, this, this time that, you know, you did this. I love that. And it's got to feel fantastic. And then all of a sudden you're just some old dude or some old gal. Maybe that's a little bit like pulling the rug out because look, look at boxers can't retire you know, all these, these athletes keep coming back. And I think the fun of being famous and revered is hard to walk away from. Yeah. Harrison Ford's still doing Indiana Jones movies. So that tells you. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Can't quit. Great grandpa, Indiana Jones. (laughs) Exactly. That stone better not come at me because I won't make it down to start. Or if I get yeah. down. <laughs> so, yeah, I know what move I would have done. It would have been like the, oh, hey, dude, that's gross. He just got split. Yeah. <laughs> Big blood everywhere because I wouldn't get that far. Yeah. <laughs> Wayne Jones is now his new name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, but Serena, uh, you know, 23 uh, Grand Slam titles. I mean, I have a question that she's the go. But you're right. Look, this has been her whole life. You know, what was she, 15 when she turned pro? And now 41. So, you know, I, I get it. Um, but I don't know, maybe before everyone makes a big fuss over you, think that through, but easy for us to say, because, um, you know, we're old and fat. Um, meanwhile, another uh, former number one, um, uh, Boris Becker. Um, <laughs> we've seen Boris in, in better situations. He's in prison teaching yoga, passing the time. You know what? Find something useful to do. 
You know, I mean, that's good. I guess he's, you know, he's old. Like I forget how old he is now. Like he's, he's like old and he looks old. He does. So uh, he looks old. I mean, I, Oh my God, he's 50, he's 54. Um, I like to think, I like, I like to think that, you know, I don't look that old, but maybe I do. I don't know. <laughs> oh, Christ. He's old. He's, God, no, big way to go sturdy. He's, he's younger than I am. Son of a buck. <laughs> well, well, I, I, Mike, I don't, I don't feel like you look that old. Of course, you're not in prison yet, and yeah, well, you haven't, and you're not teaching and, yoga. So, yeah. I well, you know what though? I, I'm, I'm going to go over a list of the activities in prison, and I'm going to put yoga way up above a lot of the others. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. You know, we were talking about why was he in prison, and uh, in April, uh, the story reading here, convicted for illicitly transferring large amounts of money and hiding assets after he declared bankruptcy in 2017. Yeah, that'll do it. Uh, that'll that'll do it. So two and a half year prison sentence, only 54. Boy, I thought he was. Uh, I thought he was 64 at that look. I did too. Maybe I'm thinking yeah. of uh, Bjorn Borg. Yeah. I don't know. So okay, well, uh, good for him. He's teaching yoga, finding ways to. Uh, uh, keep away from the sisters, I guess, uh, in prison. Um, <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, Jim Nance, uh, yeah, boy, I hated to see this. Uh, 2023 Final Four is in Houston. Um, he began his career as a, as a student sportscaster, University of Houston. I think he also played golf down there. He said, This is going to be it. 63 years old. It's his final NCAA tournament. He's going to step away and that uh, will still do golf and the other stuff, but NFL, but it won't be the same without Jim Nance. No, he's, he's, you know, it's just got that voice. It's iconic. You know what I mean? I mean, you, when he's doing a game, you can hear it. You understand it. Um, he's all, always does good job. He's well-prepared. Um, they're going to miss him. You know, I hope they replace him with someone quality and it's not just somebody they throw together because they have, have the right name. So. Yeah. I, I gotta be honest. I, I would have a lot of trepidation, you know, being the person who has to follow a, a legend and, and boy, I, I good luck to the individual who does. I'm sure they'll have a lot of support, but those are some massive shoes to fill. Ian Eagle is going to uh, to get the gig, and I think that's uh, fantastic. He does a great job, uh, veteran. He's been a part of the team, and that's good. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy with that with that call. So as long as it isn't like Rex Chapman or somebody like that, because he's oh terrible. good lord, yeah, let's not do he's that. Like the worst I've ever heard. So I'm sorry, I didn't mean to dig let's, on let's, Rex. Let, you know what but. we should do is just whoever has the most Twitter followers gets to be the next announcer of the. Yeah, uh, he was like podcast. he's doing color commentary. It was it was terrible. Like I mean, I'm like seriously, dude, come on. Really well, it actually got to be like a train wreck where you like I can't stop watching. <laughs> I must watch this. <laughs> you know, because you're like, oh, I got to turn this on because I remember, you know, Larry and I were talking. We're like, is this? I mean, I I was trying to look around and see if. Ashton Kutcher had started that punk show and there were cameras in my, <laughs> or, in or my living room. Saturday Night Live skit. Wait, did I turn the wrong channel on? You know, you know, Pete Davidson's going to be doing the final four. <laughs> right. He's got as a lot Rex, of followers. As, he's going to be as Rex Chapman. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that was, that was pretty bad. Bad stuff. Um, Meanwhile, Illini Volleyball, how about Wednesday night starting the second half of the Big Ten season, upsetting number 11 Penn State? Uh, Chris Thomas uh, and the ladies really needed this win. Yeah, they've, it's been a struggle. I mean, they've had so many injuries. They're just getting everybody back healthy, and there's still a half of the Big Ten season left. And, you know, they've got some some opportunities to win some games. I was looking at it, hoping they could go six and four down the stretch. 
but you know, this win puts it, maybe they can go seven and three or something and they pull an upset somewhere. You just, you just never know. So that this is a, he's in, it's kind of a transition year. I mean, they, they were in sweet 16 last year, but they really need to make the, find a way to maybe push and get in that NCAA tournament at the end. Yeah. The big 10 is such a tough uh, conference in volleyball that it just, doesn't really you know once you get a few injuries it's like holy cow how are we gonna how are we gonna turn it around because there's just there's no easy w's on the schedule it seems like you know and and so that's part of being in the premier conference in the country and um you know you gotta hope you stay healthy and in in and that volleyball may be um more important to stay healthy in that sport than even football with with the way this conference is stacked they're just so loaded. It really is. Nebraska, number one, uh, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Minnesota all in the top 10, Penn State, Purdue just outside. Michigan's been ranked. Illinois ranked earlier. Um, I mean, it, it is a gauntlet. There's, there's no question about it. Hey, our time has uh, gone by too quickly. As always, we appreciate everyone who stopped by the show and hope you enjoy the games and join us right back here same time next week. I'm Larry. He's Mike. He's Brad. And you are you. Enjoy the weekend. We'll see you next week. This has been a presentation of LMBC Sports LLC and Revision Sound. We'll be back next week on Big Sports Radio Network.